You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards, from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And we thrive on the support of our listeners. So if you're interested in supporting us, you can check out sunriserobot.net slash support. For episode 31, which is also my age, uh, we, have, we have some good topics, but a little bit of follow-up first. Um, this past week, and actually a little beyond in, into the week before that, I've been actually paying attention to Spotify's Discover playlist, as they call it here, which is uh, where Spotify tries to grab 30 songs it thinks you're going to love. And it does this for individual users, so it's not like any public playlist that anyone else can see unless I choose to make it public or share it. Um, this is supposed to be curated for me based on my listening habits, based on what I've favorited or, I guess, starred is, is their terminology. Um, they don't have both like Apple Music, confusingly. Um, and I, so I've been listening to this playlist uh, the past couple weeks. I'm, I'm two weeks, so I've had two sets of 30 songs to be my sample. And they've both been pretty great. Like, you know, it's not that all 30 songs are hits, but they're all like, they all made sense. Like, it was like, oh, it's reasonable that it thought I might like this song. And I <laughs> liked almost all the songs, at least a little bit. And some of them I liked a lot. And uh, my pick of the week this week came from that playlist. So um, oh, interesting. my hope is that this doesn't become stagnant, but that it continues to be new stuff. And, uh, you know, there, there's been artists I recognize, like Mates Estate was one of the songs. And I'm not huge on Mates Estate, but the song was decent. And um, it, was it wasn't reasonable. a song... It was reasonable. And it wasn't a song I'd ever heard before. So even when it was an artist I recognized, it wasn't like that it wasn't like Sufjan Stevens Chicago, you're gonna love this mic. I'm like, Yeah, I know <laughs> I know that song. Thanks. <laughs> so um I don't know, like I I was tweeting kind of sarcastically, like everyone's making all this hay about like, oh human curation, we need DJs and smart tastemakers and yeah I don't know. Um, Spotify seems to be doing great using algorithms and, and predictive and whatever their secret sauce is. I don't know. How's your play, your discovery playlist been? Have you still been checking yours out? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, still great. Like the same thing you just, uh, said. It's reasonable that the things that are in there, they make, they just make sense to be in there, that there are recommendations. Uh, there still wasn't anything in there that I actually knew, in, knew beforehand, except for the artists themselves sometimes. Um, but I still don't have to skip a lot of songs in there. Like I can still listen to about 90% of it. So I'm, I'm probably going to keep returning to that well over time, even though I hope not to, you know, just be like, well, that's the only thing I'm listening to from now on. But <laughs> um, it's not a bad thing to have in, in your back pocket when you just want to hear some new music. Yeah. I mean, that's the purpose. It's to discover new things. Every once in a while, I want to discover new things. And sometimes I just want to hear the things that I've, been listening to for the last 10 years <laughs> something new i've been discovering lately was the genre of witch house and um, i found out that i've actually listened to some witch house before but i didn't know that that was the label people put on it um the reason i find it uh, i found it was because of a video that i'm going to talk about later but um witch house is i oh, let's start the other way I, I searched for some witch house on Spotify just to to 
have a listen to the stereotypical witch house. What I found instead was an artist called Witch House. Said artist had an, had few albums which were named after other artists like Flying Lotus, with songs on it which were also named after other artists. One of those songs was called Crystal Castles, and we've talked about Crystal <laughs> Castles before. Um, they are on the edge of Witch House sometimes. I mean, they're, they're kind of dark electronica, lots of screaming, um, but I can see the, the Witch House uh, comparison there. Um, so the song of Witch House on the album Flying Lotus called Crystal Castles. I play that song, and it's actually <laughs> a song called Dust by the, the house artist Moon. And at that point, I gave up. I just didn't know what I was living in a matrix or something. Like I, I felt cheated. Was that like the song version of that? Like use the force, Harry Gandalf yeah, picture exact, of Picard. Exactly. Theme? We gotta we gotta put an example of that in the show notes. But yeah, just completely out of left field. It was dust by Moon, and Moon isn't the most um, yeah well known artist. I mean, people know him from Hotline Miami One and Two. He's in. in uh, prominently featured in the soundtrack there and um dust is the song that i think plays after every level on, on hotline Miami 2 so was this literally just his song or was it like was it slowed down or was there a beat thrown under it or something changed <laughs> it was or? it was just slowed down and pitched down a little bit and then about 20 seconds in after the loop played for four times it was pitched up again and then a, and then a stereotypical trap beat started like the the hi-hats that were racing and so where do you draw the line like where it's like you didn't you didn't make something new like yeah you technically modified the audio file that got shipped but i think at the point where you can really tell that he uh he or she whoever did this was very lazy at this like this was just a money <laughs> grab i'm just gonna name all my songs after artists hope people are gonna um find this and this artist has a lot of listens. Like it's in the thousands, definitely. Um, it's a so, SEO strategy just to show up. Yeah, in sure. Searches. I think this is an act of uh, deceiving here. So um, he's trying to deceive us. And uh, just just another example from I think the same album. There is a song called Digitalism. Digitalism is an electronic duo from Germany, and that song is actually just the intro of Paris by Moon. Now, the intro of Paris is just some random noises like artifacts and all that. So he took that and multiplied it a few times, put some modulation on it, and that's it for one and a half minutes. Like the intro of another people, uh, another guy's song is a song there on that album. Yeah, it seems like as, as much as I was annoyed by like the, the blurred lines, uh, Robin Thicke lawsuit, there is a point where you're like, you didn't, you didn't make your own thing. No, no. This is just this is just money grab. If you ask me. Yeah. Uh, well, as a genre, I probably couldn't have less interest in in, in witch house <laughs> music. But maybe maybe there will be some shining artist that sets the standard. But I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, as I said, some songs of uh, Crystal Castles I would categorize it with as witch house, and um, be- because of this phenomenon, we actually listen to some witch house here and. Some of it's okay, but it's it's getting really repetitive really quickly. Like everything sounds like it's from the same artist. All the remixes are just like, okay, let's slow this down and do nothing else to it. 
Um, but if you really want to get into which house or how to make which house, um, we've got in the, our show notes a little video by Frank Jeff C. How to make which house. Um, this guy does a like parody videos on how to do specific genres. It turns out the songs that he, he produces in those videos actually sound like the thing that he is joking about. Like what he has got in the end, it does sound like Witch House. And the other video, like how to make some Zizix or Flume song, it does actually sound like Flume in there. So mm-hmm. um, if you want to have a laugh and learn something about music production, you really got to check this guy's videos out. So you found an interesting article on uh, on a statement that Joey Fatone did or didn't make. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure this is fake, but it was very yeah. well done. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so One Direction announced they're going to have a one-year hiatus, and we'll see if this actually remains a one-year hiatus. And I, I don't, I'm not a 13-year-old girl, so I don't know the names of all the One Direction people and, and all that. But, yeah, they're all a bunch of hot guys that sing pop music that is really uh, actually kind of sexist when you think about it. Um, but, mm-hmm. so... Uh, Joey Fatone, uh, or Fat One, as people remembered him as, uh, was a former member of NSYNC who kind of went through a similar thing where NSYNC breaks up, Justin Timberlake ascends and becomes the most famous thing on earth, and the rest of them are kind of forgotten. And so here, here's, I'm going to read an excerpt, um, of Joey Fatone's letter to the members of One Direction. Hey guys, it's Joey Fatone, former member of NSYNC and current announcer on Family Feud, the job I've always dreamed of. This weekend, while sitting on the toilet and crying, uh, I flipped through my iPhone and saw that you'd announced a one-year hiatus beginning in March. I just wanted to congratulate you guys and wish you well. I'm sure 2016 will be a wonderful time for everyone from One Direction to pursue some independent projects before regrouping as a stronger band one year later. Here's to spreading your wings. Ha! Psych! Here's how it's going to go down, fellas. While you're on hiatus, hi- Harry will record some dope singles with Beyonce, Ryan Adams, and Wiz Khalifa. <laughs> Come out with a killer solo album produced by Pharrell and Timbaland. Cut his hair, dye his hair, do a second less <laughs> awesome album. Let his hair grow super long and wear it in two braids. Crush a self-effacing cameo in a Judd Apatow movie. And on and on. And But then his next paragraph. The rest of you are fucked. <laughs> I mean, Fucked. <laughs> I am the second most successful former member of NSYNC, and I am Joey Fatone. Say that out loud to yourself. Besides Justin Timberlake, Joey Fatone is the most successful member of NSYNC. <laughs> I think that there was also another paragraph in there where he said, like, you don't have a chance, except one of, if one of you guys turns out to be gay, then you have another <laughs> chance at being in the limelight. Which is a uh, Lance Bass, or Lance Bass, actually, um, from NSYNC. <laughs> Yeah, um, this is this is good satire. I mean, boy bands are such a strange creature anyway, and uh, the, the the image of one of the the I don't know the less successful ones from a previous era yelling at the next one about to yeah. do this is funny. And it's do you always, think that's actually what's going to happen, though? Do you think? Yeah, I don't. I, I, was I guess Harry's. I was going to say that uh, boy band developments are always so predictable, and this is this isn't satire. This is a prediction. Like this is going to happen, and um, I, I'm not going to be surprised. Nobody's going to be surprised that the next boy band is going to show up. Um, yeah, same old title repeating every every time. So I'm wondering, like, for some reason, I'm getting a vibe of like Zoolander with all the 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 stupid models like blowing themselves up at a gas station. I'm wondering, like, where's the Ben Stiller movie? 
of a boy band and maybe he's too old to do that now because he can't yeah. make himself look like he's 20 but you know maybe that's going to be the joke <laughs> that's true he'll he'll be a retired i'd rather he does it than adam sandler yeah that's true we don't we don't need any more adam sandler so ableton just released a new teaser of an um yeah of a an instrument or not really an instrument of an effect um, that you can put in Ableton Live that actually syncs your Ableton instance to your drums. So usually if you perform with Ableton Live and you have a live drummer, what you have to do is your drummer gets a click and he has to play to that click and you better hope that he does stay on that click. <laughs> and um, it wasn't until now really possible to go the other way around. Like you could manually tap the tempo, but you would have to have somebody who's always tapping the tempo of the drums. Well, this has now been automated with this new device um, called BeatSeeker. And BeatSeeker listens to your drums. You have to feed those drums into your Ableton instance, of course. And then it listens to those and detects the BPM and any shift that happens and actually syncs your Ableton live uh, instance to it. And this is really cool. Like for me, this is a, this is a game changer, to be honest. Um, I never had the chance to perform with a live drummer with the Astray, but I wish I could always have. And this is something that could make it actually possible. Um, without, I mean, we could have, we could always give our drummer uh, a click, but this is really cool. Like you, the drummer could speed up the song by getting faster. You would be a lot more dynamic. Um, Something that's always missing a little bit in, in electronic music, like the natural shifting. We've, we talked about this last time about not being in perfect rhythm. Like sometimes that, sometimes that's desirable. And, um, also other bands like PVT came to mind, um, that have electro bands with a drummer. Like I can see them using that or Depeche Mode could, I could see them using this. So. Oh yeah. It sounds very magical. Just, uh, you know, even the thought that you, no one would have to have a, a loud beeping, shrieking tone in their ears. Oh, yeah. Like you could conceivably, as long as like your, your keyboard part hinted at, you know, it was rhythmic enough in some part where you could pick up the around where the tempo is supposed to be, then just kind of wander wherever your band needs to go with the tempo. And if no one, no one has to sit and listen to boop, 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 boop or, uh, yeah. Um, or wear some kind of vibrating device. Um, it just sounds very liberating. Um, yeah, e even just not having to hear that is already enough. But the fact <laughs> that you can you can be human with your your speed, uh, definitely also cool. Yeah, I, I really when I record, I don't like recording to a click. I always try to nail the drums first so I can play to the drums because I really don't like this in any door yeah. and any. Um, custom metronome that i've ever downloaded like they gonna they get on your nerves within five measures so um <laughs> really not having to listen to it well, and i also hate it like if i i like to do some very hushed like folky songs and um you know close miking and like playing to the click like sometimes at the end of a song when i have the final strum you can just hear the faintest Oh, uh, yeah. metronome and so what i end up doing is i have to re-record just the last hit without the <laughs> metronome after i do the initial track and just that's just irritating and yeah and also it sometimes just kills the atmosphere like when you're recording a, a slow song um that's really drawn out I, I can't really put much feeling into my playing if i have this rigid boop, boop, boop in the background all the whole time <laughs> 
I hope people are going to sample this and make a remix out of it. <laughs> boop, 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 boop. There's an, a, whole, a whole measure to be used. <laughs> and in other news, um, Block Party had been on a hiatus for some time and they actually kind of broke up for, for a moment um, a year ago or so. And actually what happened now is that the original drummer and original bassist, Matt and um, 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 Gordon, they left the band and uh, Kelly and Russell still in there. So they said, come on, we're going to keep on going. We're going to keep Block Party alive and get some new members. So the other week they actually played their first actual show, I believe, their public show with those new band members and... Um, then a few days ago, they posted a photo of all the four, all four of them on Facebook, and the comments are horrible. <laughs> like there's so much complaining and so much backlash, and um, it's not even in the sense that oh, I don't like the new guys. No, it's this um, hopeless. Please b uh, bring back the original Block Party, or who the <laughs> fuck are these people, and what have they done with Block Party? Like this kind of mean-spirited and you know you're not going to get anywhere you just want to complain yeah this is kind of amusing like this comment the fuck are these people and what have they done with block party and uh um the first reply to that is improved the band by replacing the dumbasses who decided to quit block party <laughs> um yeah i don't know it's it's I, I don't have much to say other than yeah. just Get over it, people. Like, right. What are you Th that's do? the point. Get over it. Like, you can always listen to the old albums. And it's safe to say that since they, I mean, the, the bassist Gordon used to do background vocals. But other than that, if they play the old songs, they're going to sound the same. There's nothing going to be changing. They didn't replace the singer. And with their new songs, they've developed into a completely, not completely, but very different direction anyway. Like, the fourth album sounds nothing like the first three albums, if you ask me. So yeah. they they have developed anyway. If you if they have new mat, band members or not, they don't sound like they don't sound the same. So either you like the new sound or you don't, independent of who the band members are. Yeah, it seems like this this only really becomes a problem if it's like oh the Rolling Stones got a new singer and you're like okay like you can't really do that. But like yeah, if a supporting member of the band changes. It's it's a different situation. Yeah, I'm just skimming the, the comments here. It's it's vile. It's and and also people who play like they don't know what's going on. Like, what about Gordon and Matt? Like, you've been living on the rock for the last <laughs> three years, but you're still subscribed to the Facebook page of Block Party. Or if this girl is the drummer, she must have superpowers to replace Matt. Like, they're, now there they're two layers here. Like, first of all, it it sounds kind of sexist. It doesn't have to be, but it does kind of sound, yeah. sound kind of sexist. But also, like, um, Matt isn't the only good drummer in the world. Like, he has a distinctive style. I learned a lot of his drumming style, and I put a lot of it in mind. But you you don't know how she plays. You maybe only have heard her play his songs, Um it isn't impossible to play his stuff. It's just, it sounds very different and sometimes very minimalistic. Um, doesn't mean that she's not able to, able to pull it off. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I always dislike this. I remember the, um, after the lead singer of Gwar died, um, Dave Brocky, they, um, they said they're going to go ahead. Like in, in his lifetime, he still said like Gwar is going to go on forever, even if some of the band members leave or die. And they replaced him with, um, 
the an old bassist from the same band like he used to do play bass and um sing background worlds now he's the singer and they just replaced him with a different character and i didn't see a lot of people complaining like it's a whole different fan base there yeah and does anyone get mad if like the blue man group has a different well they don't even notice but <laughs> i mean it already like happened <laughs> certain bands like become really tied to their cult of personality like could you imagine you know imagine you liked you two then uh you know if bono gets replaced is it still you two if the edge gets replaced is it still you two hard hard to see how that works but again it's it's different it just depends on the context and the kind of band and you know like i don't know if uh you know i'm trying to think of their names uh, oh yeah daft punk like if it's yeah. different guys under the helmet do you like you could conceivably replace them i'm not taking anything away from their music they do some really great stuff but um it's just a different like the band is oriented differently so it feels like you could replace people yep before we get into our fx plane let's talk a little bit about um effect pedals and because i found this interesting guitar pedal um it's called the neunaber seraphim um the neunaber seraphim um in this demo video, um, it seems like, uh, yeah, it's kind of experimental pedal. Like it has this stereo shimmer in it. And I like the sound. Like it's, it's this grain delay and it's stereo. But what's really interesting about this pedal and halfway through the video, it explains that um, it has a USB connector and you can put any other pedal by Noinaba in there. So it's just a case and it has those knobs. The knobs are labeled, of course, but you can replace the the actual algorithm happening in there with any other pedal by this um, this producer. I've never seen this anywhere before. This is um, kind of the reason why I do everything digitally and uh, use guitar rig and never really buy any effect pedals um, because I always feel like I don't want to pay $150 for one pedal that does one thing. <laughs> yeah. The only pedal I ever got was my delay and I abused the shit out of it. So... Um, nothing else i i would feel like i would want to pay that much but if i pay like 200 dollars for a pedal and i have the choice of exchanging it with other pedals that that's cool like dlc for guitar pedals yeah <laughs> um and after after that those downloads are free so you buy one pedal but you could t theoretically get all of them through those software changes and uh you kind of glossed over this but this video is ridiculous um, yeah, I like his videos. It's it's totally like this comment, like you've dropped acid and it's just like, here's a picture and there's a cat in the window. Also, I'm talking about a pedal and it has these yeah. effects and it's just totally non sequiturs left and right. Um, you know, it's like this, this varying zoom of a desert, <laughs> dirt place and uh, this, this pedal just superimposed on top. Yeah. And, he uh, definitely has a lot of other crazy videos, which does fit with the um, kind of boutique pedals that he shows off. Like this, this is it's it's uh, the channel's shtick, so to say. That these <laughs> kind of very confusing videos with typography that's not really perfect, and but I like it. Like it's it has its charm. <laughs> I do like that. It, the the whole video just plays sound for you. Like there's no one talking, trying to explain it. It's just. You just get to hear the pedal for six minutes. Yeah. As a response, I would say you sent me this Hitler parody. <laughs> it's always hard for me to watch those Hitler parodies because I actually understand what he's saying and it's hard to <laughs> yeah. then concentrate on the subtitles. 
but this one is really great. Basically, the his you know, like all the memes, it's all his advisors in the room trying to explain the strategy, and they're basically saying that they they've got th- this way to reproduce Stevie Ray Vaughan's tone um, without using any pedals, and uh, he he dismisses everyone from the room, and then he just yells at him like, "You can't play a Stratocaster just straight into an amp, like." There's no way, like the whole yeah. point, like he just goes into intense detail on how Stevie Ray Vaughan's tone is achieved, and uh, I don't know. I thought it was a really great yeah. use of the meme, and it's kind of a you know a dank meme, but um, <laughs> this is a good execution of it. Yeah, yeah, and the point pretty much is that, um, or his point is that you can only get great, uh, you can only get great tone with effect pedals. Like it doesn't come naturally from you, and. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, you can scroll through the comments, and of course, the discussion starts right away. Um, yeah, I like to use a lot of effects, and uh, I, I, I think it, it depends. If you want a crazy tone, or um, some of the tone is definitely influenced by pedals. But yes, you also have to be able to play well. Like a good guitar player can play well on a shitty strat, definitely. Yeah, I do like that there is one of the angriest moments is when someone suggests that Steve Ray Vaughan's tone comes from him using his hands well. And <laughs> Hitler yells a lot about <laughs> hands can, are not enough for good guitar tone. <laughs> but what is important for recording tone and uh, recording environments? So for our FX plane this week, instead of talking about like a particular effect when you're mixing, I thought we could just take some time to talk about um, a lot of musicians are recording at home or in practice spaces and they're uh, foregoing paying for studios for money reasons. Um, they're, they're doing stuff in their home studios and trying to make do and, uh, you know, overcome limitations of places that aren't set up to be great recording environments by default. And uh, there's a, a bunch of things I want to talk about um, in terms of what can you do if you, if you just have a standard apartment and you have square, you know, square rooms with parallel walls and um, there's all these reasons that it's a terrible space to record in, especially if you're doing drums, you're kind of screwed. But um, there, there's a lot of different things. What And I think we'll split it up in the two main categories, um, the, the if you have money category <laughs> and the uh, if you don't have money, which I think most people actually end yeah. up in the I don't have money and then the category, of, I really don't have any money. Yeah, I actually have zero dollars. <laughs> I, I owe everyone money. Um, I have a link in that we'll put in the show notes that has a great um, in-depth ex- explanation of all the things I'm going to mention. So if you want more detail, you want to know, hey, I do have money. I want to buy something. What should I buy? Um, this article has lots of great links for that. Um, but I, I'd say the first thing you can do to realize how bad your room sounds is uh, to clap loudly and, uh, you know, walk around your apartment or whatever room you think you're going to record in and just clap loudly and listen to what happens in the room. And uh, you may have noticed this, but if you really paid attention to it, um, it may come out more strongly is, you know, is it like a really pleasant and nice like reverb? Like, you know, your clap just kind of <laughs> cascades through the room. Um, or is it this harsh metallic, almost like this little robot's yelling back at you? That's probably what you heard. And, uh, this, this happens in square rooms always. And, you know, especially the, the less furniture, the less stuff in the room. 
but it's it's pretty much guaranteed to happen unless you've actually treated your room it's gonna sound you're gonna hear a metallic clang don't expect your living room to sound like a cathedral yeah um so what do you do about this like what uh there, there's lots of things people do that you know they try they get egg cartons they get cup holders they get all <laughs> these weird random Fire things hazards. <laughs> Yeah, and they, they, they throw them in their room in an attempt to diffuse this. But if you're not careful, you might actually just kill the high frequencies in your space, but not actually solve the problem of what happens in your room, the, the frequencies that build up and the nastiness that sounds. So there, there's some products that uh, sound companies make, and we'll talk about the free versions alternatives later. Um, there's kind of three main categories of these these foam pads you can buy that you can then place in your room to absorb these frequencies that sound awful and uh, to, to really treat your room. So the three categories are bass traps, and then there's like standard acoustic panels, and then there's like these really specialized diffusers. And uh, one of these three would probably solve all your problems in a, in a crappy room. One of them may help you improve things a little bit, and one of them is completely useless. So it's probably useless to you. Um, so bass traps are super effective. They're, they're, they solve one of the biggest problems in a room, which is, you know, the, the word bass is in the name, but they actually absorb all frequencies. Um, and if you, if you have the money, and they can be expensive, they're hundreds of dollars to get bass traps, but you throw them up, especially in the corners, um, especially the top and bottom corners of your rooms, so the very corners where the ceiling and two walls meet, um, that's where you especially would want to put these. Um, if you have the money to, to cover the entire corner from top to bottom, that's even better. But, um, you know, if you're only, if you're only doing certain corners, do the top corners of your entire room with base straps. And that, you know, that might actually be all you need to do. And you can clap through your room and maybe you've solved it. Um, then we have these things called acoustic panels. And they don't catch bass frequencies, but they do do mids and highs. Um, the good thing about acoustic panels is they're cheap. So you yeah. can buy like a, a hundred of these things. And so, you know, one of the things that happens in these rooms if you're playing an instrument um, is you have these parallel walls and w sound waves just bounce back and forth forever and build up and... Um, these acoustic panels can help you solve that because you can place them in the middles of your room and you can probably afford to buy a bunch of them and throw them around and uh, you can you can solve the problem of those standing waves that, that build up in your room. The third thing, diffusers, they may not help you at all. They're probably a waste of money. You're not building a real studio. Don't spend any money on yeah. this. You probably just need some couches and some random bookshelves and stuff in your room <laughs> and you're fine. So that was the if you have money, what should you buy kind of thing to to make your room not have that metallic robot yelling at you um, when you when you do things in it. If you don't have money, what can you do? And I think this is where uh, you might be able to help with some of the things you do, um, which may be the only winning move is not to play. Is one yeah. Of the answers. <laughs> but you know, let's say you're committed. You have you love acoustic guitars. You love miking real instruments, and you want to use them in your home studio. Um, but you're not going to buy bass traps. You're not going to buy panels. You have zero dollars. Well, I think one of the best things you can do is to close mic everything as close as possible. Um, 
as long as you're not ruining the tone of what you're trying to capture, just put that mic as close as possible to your instrument or your voice. And what that does is just makes the room rest or not rest less relevant. Um, you'll hear more of the direct tone and less of the, the echo of the room. So you're just, you're just reducing the emphasis of the room. So even though you have a terrible room, you just won't hear it as much. I do do this constantly. And, um, you know, it's, it's probably one of the best tricks, depending on what you're recording to, to eliminate the influence of your room. Another thing you can do is, uh, companies are always trying to sell you on these condenser mics. Um, but actually use dynamic mics and, uh, they, they just kind of, comparatively dull because condensers are famously tend to be way more sensitive on the high end, which means they hear all the crappiness of your room and they capture it. Um, dynamic mics tend to reject a lot better, um, yeah. tend to be more singularly focused. That's why for podcasters they are really great because people tend to be recording in bedrooms and offices <laughs> and uh, it's just your voice. So it sounds pretty good in a dynamic mic. Um, so switch to the dynamic mics and you yeah. might also further de-emphasize your room. As an example, um, right now I'm recording through a condenser mic and um, through a monitoring signal, I can actually hear the uh, fans in my computer louder than they are in real life. It yeah. really picks up everything, which is the reason why I'm so close to my microphone, because once I turn up the compressor, you can hear the whole room behind me. Yeah, I really don't have ideal placement and the ideal equipment here. Um, the problem is that the only dynamic mic I have is, it's not an SM80, uh, SM58, it's uh, some shitty knockoff 30 euro uh, microphone that I won at a competition once and I don't really use myself anymore. Yeah. Uh, some other things you can do. Um, if you have any a th like thick materials like couches, um, blankets and pillows, um, they can be really great diffusers. Um, to place around your room, especially to break up those parallel walls. So if you have um, couches and, and pillows and blankets, you can stack just to make your room not this perfect wall-to-wall -wall mirror, hall of mirrors, basically, of sound. Um, the more, the better. I mean, uh, my friend Andres, uh, he, ha he has this basement that's basically just a cement box. And there's kind of a magnificent reverb to it that we were having fun with, but it's actually impractical for any recording or even any good practice. And uh, since after after a month of that, he got tons of couches, tons of stuff down there, and it, it really deadened the room mostly for the better. So that really helped. So if if you have furniture like couches and, and blankets and pillows, definitely just just pile that into your recording room and spread it around as evenly as you can, and uh, that can really help. One of the other tricks that I read about, and I've actually tried this a couple of times, is if you have a a really dense mattress, so not like a, a box spring, like a, a supporting mattress, but like the actual mattress part, um, you can create basically a, a little vocal booth. And uh, the way you want to do this is uh, you want your mic to point at the mattress so that basically your mic is protected from all the reflections and all the bouncing and uh, just captures your voice. Yeah, I've actually once read an interview where they talked about um, the production of the video game Bastion, which features uh, very prominently uh, a narrator throughout the whole game. And um, if I remember correctly, they actually recorded all of those in a closet. Like they didn't really have a, uh, a recording studio for that. 
they just set that guy in a closet, which was, I guess, still full of some clothes, which shielded the, the reflection that might happen inside the closet itself. And that recording is dry as hell. So um, I've never actually tried it myself, but I can see that working. Um, if you want to uh, clean out your closet every once in a while, uh, do it to record some vocals in there. <laughs> or put your guitar amp in there. I haven't tried it, but I can see it working with anything. Like, why shouldn't it be dry in there if the, you have a lot of clothes in there? Yeah. So these are some of the most popular tricks. Do you have any other little hacks you use, like when you're recording and... Uh, you don't want to hear how bad your room is. What do you, what do you do? Uh, try not to record in the first place. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like you said, try to make the microphone not face the room that has all the reflections in it, like face it away from there and put a mattress behind you. So um, like, even if the room is terrible, you don't, you just don't want those sound waves to hit the microphone. And um, there's always some kind of way to, to build up like an obstacle there. And other than that, I mean, we've talked a lot about the recording part, but there's also the part of um, you want a good room if you're mixing on monitors. So the room doesn't uh, change the frequency response. Like if you hear something, that's actually the way it, it sounds from those speakers. And um, usually like um, my room kind of boosts the bass. And so if I played something through loudspeakers here, the bass would be a little bit more pronounced than it is in real life. or Not in real life, but in the actual recording. Now, the thing is, I don't have space for monitors in the first place. And even if then I had, um, I don't have the money to uh, to soundproof my room. And I can't have mattresses here all the time. Like, oh, I want to mix my album. Let me pull up, uh, pull apart the bed and put the mattress behind me. So as you said in the beginning, the only winning move is not to play. <laughs> I actually do everything exclusively on headphones. And I know it's not the perfect solution. I know that I'm missing some things. I know that I have an extreme stereo field through that. But I pretty much have no other choice. I don't have monitors. And even if I wanted to buy them, I don't have a place to put them here. And I would have to move into a new apartment and set up a whole mixing room just for that purpose yeah so what i just did i got some really good headphones and i listened to almost everything on those headphones so i know them really well yeah this is the only way i do it and then i compare on other mediums of course and other speakers but i just try to get the room out of the equation completely yeah and and yeah the more you can live in the box the more you, you don't have to worry about some of these things at all but then it yeah. always comes down eventually you're going to want to do some vocals or you know you or have drums. some yeah yeah that's always the problem like i can never really record drums drums are tough because i mean they're loud so the the frequencies <laughs> that pile up are just piling up even worse so yeah um it's all it's always been a challenge for me too and sometimes i have better luck um if i depending on the song like if i can do more broken down percussive isolated elements i can get a really high quality sound for my drums yeah. but you know if it if it really is really is asking for a, a drum set being played fiercely like uh that's where i'd like i might even consider like well i'll pay for studio time just yeah. to get that sound really good um but do everything else myself but even that i mean that gets expensive so fast like booking studio time 25 50 an hour you know how long is it going to take you to lay down the tracks you need do you know what you want them to be like um i don't know what what you can always try to do with uh, recording drums, if you are recording them in your rehearsal space and that doesn't really have the perfect 
room or reverb, um, like natural reverb in it. Um, as you said, close micing to close mic it to really reduce the room sound in those and like uh, try to get even more room out of there through using some gates and then try to add a natural reverb through some, some effects later on, like put it in an artificial room and, uh, it's not the real deal, of course, and there's going to be some uh, some downsides to it. But at least you're not getting a shitty room, and you're not getting like completely dry drum set. Like get somewhere in between. And once you have the mix full of instruments, the room sound, while it is important, um, you don't really hear all those little details anymore. So try to get it as close mic and dry as possible, and then try to try to add some natural reverb, um, yeah, in post. Yeah. That's sometimes uh, what I did uh, on on some songs where I recorded the guitars completely through guitar rig and then just put them all in the room and distributed throughout the room like in a stereo field. Yeah, yeah. No one's hearing all that detail unless you're 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 a title subscriber. <laughs> all right, let's move on to our pick of the week. So yeah, every every single week in this podcast, if you're new, uh, we pick a song we think is great and we share it with you and each other. And uh, we only get to pick one song because that's what we're all about. Um, you don't get to pick albums or entire collections. And uh, Matt, why don't you go first? My pick of the week is Yawn with Astral Observatory from the album Open Season. Um, I discovered Yawn through a remix contest in... 2009 when they released the first EP and I've been hooked ever since and this is one of those cases where I actually could say that um, uh, I was there when the band wasn't big yet uh, well <laughs> technically I wasn't there because I was never in the States but I've known them and um, so this was actually a song they had on one of their demo tapes um, before this EP or at the same time of this EP and they actually kind of remade it and really made a song out of it for their first real album. It features in in the demo a really detuned piano which kind of shimmers through in the in the final song as well. But um this demo version still holds a very special place in my heart for for that piano. Um but the the song itself like it it's even bigger and it's really bombastic especially uh, towards the end. So Here's just a little sample of Yon Astral Observatory. So I could see your head bopping uh, when when you listened to the song before recording to the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I was immediately drawn into the song, and uh, partly because it's it's got a great. I mean, we talked about this before the show that uh, there, there's an obvious like Majora's Mask like um, influence to some of the music, and the especially there's uh, this uh, accordion player mask salesman. Um, that has his own uh, waltzing song. That's that. This song isn't really the same as that. Um, it's not like they ripped off that song, but it it could fit in that universe. Um, yeah. I also I get some beach house, and I don't mean this in a dismissive way. Um, beach house and maybe animal collective kind of vibe when animal collective <laughs> decides to be coherent and kind of yeah. make songs. They get um, a lot of animal collective comparisons. Yeah, and again, I'm not being dismissive. It's more just affection and recognition. Um, 
the, this song immediately drew me in. It was, it's just infectiously good. And uh, I, I, I'm really glad you shared it with me. Um, some interesting, more musical theory notes. There, there's lots of major, minor, minor, major shifts in their chord progressions. And uh, it never feels too on the note, like in your face, like, hey, look, we are major minoring. Um, <laughs> but it, it is a nice effect that they, they make use of at different points in the song. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a very haunting, very carousel, you know, bobbing up and down kind of song. And um, I'm definitely adding it to my, my Spotify library so I can revisit it um, over and over. Great. Oh, and I will... I, I will comment on the out-of-tune piano. So I, I checked out your the demo you shared in, in our Dropbox of the out-of-tune piano version. And uh, there's definitely a, a serious charm to out-of-tune, to detuned piano. Um, I do think I, I overall like the, the final produced song better, but I, I don't think it would hurt it if they mixed in a little bit of this detuned piano for, you know, at least for a portion of the song, it could be a really nice texture that's kind of gone in the newer version um but it's still such a great song yeah so how about your pick of the week you found that on spotify ad (laughs) yeah i actually did discover this through the discover playlist um so this is a song called ghosts by a group called on and on not on and on but on and on um yeah it sounds really really laborious when I say it that way. Um, and this song is, uh, you know, this was a really interesting song. It, it, it kind of doesn't have, it's not like a bombastic rock song that has a, a, you know, last week I shared a song that kind of had this big climactic um, explosion at the end, which is the metaphor I always end up using. <laughs> this song doesn't really go that route. It kind of, it's kind of chill most of the time, but it's, it has a lot going on nonetheless. And uh, let's just listen to a little bit of it. What I liked about this song, I mean, it has nice chords, nice melody. Um, it's it's all good, but I I really appreciated the production of this song because you you could tell they were uh, playing a lot with the the stereo field and uh, the the way things are introduced and and uh, the way they disappear and the it feels like the center of gravity shifts a lot in the song. Like sometimes it's it's kind of left leaning. And sometimes it's kind of on the right and different things are in the middle or on the sides. And um, it really held my interest in that way. So I would definitely check this song out with headphones. What did you make of this song? Yeah, also like this imbalance happening all the time. And uh, it starts right at the beginning where this drum fill or drum beat sets in on and more on the right speaker than on the left. And... Um, what I also find interesting is that it's not only the stereo automation happening, but a lot of volume changes. Like it's always shifting in what is in the foreground, what's in the background. Like at some point I was trying to concentrate on the guitar because I wanted to, to find out like, 
it wasn't really um, complicated what he was playing. It was more like some power chords. It wasn't really full bar chords. And at the moment I tried to focus on it, they shifted back into the background. Something else came there. So um, they're, they're, it's, it's like an ever-shifting song. And also what I liked about the rhythm section was that it was really imperfect in the sense that um, when that initial drum beat starts at the beginning, it doesn't really start perfectly on the one. It starts a little bit late, which makes you think, okay, is is this now the new one or is is just did it start late? And uh, it happens a lot of times throughout the songs that things start a little bit late or a little too quick. Yeah, this imperfection that I talked about with the beat seeker. This is only possible if you really try. Like if if you work in the box, it's really easy to make everything rigid and quantized, and um, you really have to do it on purpose sometimes to to make it yeah sound a little bit too late. And I, I really like that in the production. So as always, we will put these songs on our Spotify playlist, which you can subscribe to. Um, uh, even if you're on free Spotify, use it on the desktop. You can follow our playlist and uh, see all the songs we pick. Uh, we're up to, you know, almost 50 songs now, um, which is great. Depending on your region. Yeah, depending which country you're in. Um, and so with that, we have episode 31 of Bits and Pieces. And you can find show notes to all the articles we talked about, including uh, Joey Fatone's admonition of One Direction to face <laughs> the end of their group. Um, well, links to all those articles, all the videos, and uh, our picks of the week, uh, even outside of Spotify, will have a SoundCloud and YouTube links. Um, you can find those show notes at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 31. And uh, me and Matt both live online, so we love feedback. We're both on Twitter. And if you want to send us songs you like or topic suggestions or give us some feedback on this episode, uh, tweet at us. So I'm at Medwards Music, and Matt, you are? At Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. And uh, you can subscribe to Bits and Pieces uh, with your smartphone so that you get uh, episodes automatically delivered every week so that when you're on your morning commute or uh, afternoon walk or whatever you do, you can listen to our show. So uh, you can use the iTunes or RSS buttons on our website, and uh, that'll pop you over into your podcast app. If you need suggestions on podcast apps to use, uh, I like overcast.fm on my iPhone. Uh, there's also a built-in podcast app that Apple makes. It's, it's, it's all right. And uh, on Android, you could use Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts, and uh, one of those is free and one of those costs money. So... You can make the call there. And uh, that way you can uh, just search for our show or use our RSS button and new episodes will show up automatically, which is awesome. If you'd like to support us directly, you can head to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And uh, every dollar helps us keep the show going, helps us invest in new equipment and uh, even dream up new shows and, and new approaches to doing this show. So uh, by all means, if, if, if you like what we're doing and want to help us uh, to take it to the next level, become a Patreon supporter. And uh, special thanks to our top Patreon supporters, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Langa. We'll see you all next week. Mm-hmm.